McCord State Farm Studio. I'm Zach Berry. Joining me is uh, one of our uh, illustrious guests that we've had in the past. So return guest. Uh, before I welcome him in, like I always do, I want to remind you of the folks that make the show possible. I mentioned we are in the Davis McCord State Farm Studio. He is your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around. Give Davis and State Farm a call, 901-755-6110. Podcast also brought to you by the good folks at Sola on South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Happy hour, three to six, fresh-squeezed margaritas, ramen, two-for-one Moscow mules, all of that and more. The best and brightest to you in-house or via curbside pickup. They're still doing that. So check them out at solaoxford.com or call them at 662-238-3500. Last but certainly not least, podcast is brought to you by LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's show. Uh, Greg and the folks over there are doing what they call a podcast rebellion perk right now for the best protein for your oldness grilling needs. All you got to do is tell them you listen to the show or you read Red Cup Rebellion and you will get a 16-ounce prime strip and a pack of sausage for $20. That's it. That's all you got to do. Tell them you listen to the show. Tell them that you read Red Cup Rebellion. Tell them you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, any of that. $20, 16-ounce prime strip and a pack of sausage. You can't beat it. So that's LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. All right. Without further ado, welcome in our return guests. Mr. Seth Galena of Pro Football Focus and the co-host of the Too High podcast. Seth, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I was just Googling uh, Germantown, uh, Tennessee, because uh, I, I thought the Davis McCord State Farm studio was like a bit at first. I was like, oh, this must be some like former Ole Miss player who did something weird. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, this is just a regular, regular State Farm agency. So now I'm Googling uh Oh, a bunch of cities in Tennessee. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Germantown. That's a uh, shout out to the hometown. That's uh, that's where your boy's from. Now, um, is this is this a, a city or is this like a um, an area, like a little Italy type of situation? I mean, it's an actual city. Um, I guess a municipality might be the correct term. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's just east of Memphis. Um, so it's heading towards Nashville, if you will. Um yeah, it's a it's a nice little spot. Um, you know, I it, I did okay um, being from there. So look 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 at look at me now talking to you here on a podcast. So yeah, but um, all right. So I you know I talked to you last week. Had to get you on the show um, as probably the only person that might hype up Matt Crowd more than our podcast and our website. Um, you're you're a huge fan. Um, you know, even with the struggles last year, he still led the country in total offense. And then now uh, three games into the 2021 season, he's off to, uh, <laughs> I guess you could say, a relatively hot start. Um, heading into this weekend against number one Alabama, uh, you know, what's what are your thoughts and, and kind of what do you guys, you know, over there at PFF uh, kind of see this game unfolding on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I think he's been – better than last year even though i think his grade is a little lower but it's not you know it's only three games in and it's not 
it's not a big enough difference to really get concerned. And I think that, I think he's tightened up his feet. I think something that I've noticed is like a lot of guys who run, who, who play quarterback in these type of offenses where what you you're doing a lot of is kind of waiting for receivers to make a decision down the field. So I don't know, uh, North Carolina, uh, Ole Miss, uh, Arkansas, um, just to name a few are running this type of offense, Kent state, uh, et cetera, et cetera, North Texas, whatever. So what ends up happening is, you know, you have quarterbacks who you don't know how to, how to set your feet um, on time because you don't know when the timing of the play is going to occur or when the timing of the throw is going to occur. So I thought that was something that he needed to improve last year. And he really has his feet are really tight this year. I'm really excited. Like, you know, sometimes he'll force some balls in there, um, but for the most part, he's been pretty good. And I think the accuracy has really been tremendous. It's not really missing throws. Uh, Like the offense is, I don't want to say it's simple, but they do don't do a whole lot of stuff. Um, So I'm curious to see if they, if um, the kind of game plan changes for Alabama, being that this is their first big test of the season, you know, they didn't have a Louisville sucks. I mean, I don't know what to say about that. Louisville's not very good. So like that, that was, I was excited for that game. And then you just forget, you know, Louisville is such a yo-yo team and you just kind of forget that sometimes they're just not going to be good. And, and I also think, not to get this, make this all about Louisville right now, but like, you know, we kind of forget that Louisville was so horrible the year after. Actually, like, they were really bad. There was a lot of cracks in the surface during the Lamar Jackson era that was covered up by Lamar Jackson. And the cupboard was very bare when Scott Satterfield came in. And that 8-5 and five season in the first year of Satterfield was an illusion. Um, you know, and they're probably closer to what they've been the past couple of years. Anyways, Louisville's not that good. Almost just so much better than them. So they haven't really played anybody. So you're excited to see, like, if they were able to hide enough offense – going into obviously playing against a really tough defense that they had a lot of success against last year. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm looking forward to um, going into the Alabama game. And yeah, getting back to, to Corral, he's just been good. I don't know what to say. He's been, he's been really good at, like I said, the feet are so much better. The accuracy is, is amazing. And uh, he's putting the ball where he's supposed to put it. Yeah. I was going to, you know, kind of pick your brain a little bit about that. That was a perfect segue into this question, but you know, through three games, um, Louisville, Austin P, Tulane, Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy haven't really had to do much. Um, they've been pretty vanilla. I mean, outside of, you know, what we're, I guess, we have coined it as the dropption, um, that like QB draw that turned into a, you know, yeah. basically a jump pass to Ely that was called back for alignment downfield. And was- as, as it should be, we should, we need to ban RPOs. <laughs> football like I'm over it I'm done with that one that one was very close as as a as an official myself it was really close plus my only thing I get by definition it was a lineman downfield but they were engaged with a with they were just basically whipping the guy's ass downfield so I but anyway that's really been the only thing that they've you know kind of gone outside the box on so I'm you know not even as you know, an Ole Miss fan or an Ole Miss podcast website, you know, there's natural excitement for playing the number one team in the country, but I'm actually just excited to see 
what the game plan is this weekend and kind of what they have not shown yet. Um, and, and I don't know how much film you've watched on what they did last season. And, and I'm sure they've, you know, developed some, some new, some new schemes or something else to show offensively, but that's kind of been my thing is what are they going to do to try to confuse Pete Golding and Nick Saban over there? Because still a loaded roster, but not the Alabama defense that our generation has come to expect, but how do you, and I guess if you were calling plays over there, if you were on the sideline, how would you attack this Alabama defense from an offensive standpoint? You know, I thought what they did really good last year, and I'm this is all coming from memory because I haven't watched that tape in, you know, 365 days, basically. But, you know, what I remember them doing really well last year was it's almost like, you know, Lane – like, you know, stole on his way out from Alabama, like stole all their, um, you know, defensive playbooks or whatever. And I was like, oh, you guys don't like this formation. Oh, perfect. We're going to run this. Oh, you guys are always going to check to this uh, against this. Okay, perfect. We're going to run that. And then like they were getting free guys open, you know, so many, so much misdirection, so much orbit motion, jet motion and the hurry up stuff. And they just like, you know, they put those linebackers, you know, those linebackers heads were spinning the whole time. So you wonder if you can just do that again and then do it again twice against, you know, twice in a row against obviously a good Alabama defense like that would scare me a bit if I'm you know, thinking about it from the Ole Miss perspective. I think what's interesting is how the roster, I think, has changed from one season to the other for Ole Miss on offense in that, you know, last year they could run 11 personnel. So three receivers, a tight end and a running back because you had a pretty good tight end whose name escapes me right now, of course. But um, he's obviously not playing anymore, right? He's in the NFL. So now oh, oh, Kenny Yaboa. Yeah. yeah, Kenny Bo, of course, right? So that, and obviously he makes a whole bunch of plays against Alabama last year. So you don't have that. So your 11 personnel is a good, like a solid, you know, all players can be, you know, threats, 11 personnel. Whereas, um, you know, they've run a lot of 10 personnel this year. So four receivers and a running back. They've been very spread. They're kind of two, what I've seen so far is like kind of two different offenses. They can be super spread put four receivers out there. And now I think I don't, I don't have the, the roster in front of me, but I think sometimes when they run 11 personnel, one of the tight ends is basically a receiver. It, I think maybe 83, if not mistaken, is like two. Yeah. Like, so yeah. Chase Rogers. Um, I would guess, I mean, he's, he's got some touches this year, but he's mostly in there to block, but yeah, I, they've recently shown Ontario Drummond in kind of an H back look oh, just okay. because they don't really have a tight end right now. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, like even though we have a charted, they, they have some snaps that in 11 personnel, I'm not sure that player is – you're certainly not Yaboa, right? That that we can agree with. So, yeah, that, yeah. so this is where I'm like, okay, well, what – so can we go back to it? They have two offenses. They can spread you out, and they run basically four verts every play. And they're – everyone, all four receivers are running vertically 10 yards, and they're reading it out. Either if it's man coverage, they basically, you know, cover one man coverage, they're all going to hook at 10 yards, 12 yards, whatever. 
you know, if it's cover four, they're going to try and bend it inside. If it's cover three, then, you know, you kind of just run it normally. Um, so like that, and, and that goes back to like, you know, how the receivers are kind of trying to make the quarterback right um, often in this offense. So they have that. And that was the whole game against Louisville. And it's like, yeah, okay. I'm thinking again, like, going back to the Louisville thing, they could have done whatever they want against Louisville. Okay. But and then you saw, so I was like, oh, is this the offense now? And then you saw against Austin P and, and against Tulane where they were like, okay, well, we can have kind of still run the same kind of personnel grouping, but run more condensed stuff. So make kind of looking like, you know, the Rams would do, um, maybe not the Stafford Rams, but at least the golf Rams would do. And what you're trying to do is condense everyone in and then run all these receivers across the field in, in you know, deep over routes, deep crossing routes, and try and get them over open that way. So they've kind of shown, that in a sense, two different offenses. And I wonder, like, what type of – they can obviously are going to do both against Alabama, but then it goes back to the, the tight end situation where it's like, do you want to be in a true – four receiver look against Alabama. Like that just doesn't seem like a winning business model. And it, and it certainly is not what they did last year to Alabama. So that, that's, that would kind of be my concern. I think that there's obviously the talent is there to, to, to compete with them, but I'm just like, okay, you, you've already shown it. Last year, you show you put everything you put it on the table last year. Alabama is not a team that generally gets beat. I'm probably bullshitting here because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like it just feels to me like Alabama is a team that doesn't get beat by just spread formations anymore. This isn't, you know, this isn't Hugh Freeze in 2015 or whatever. So, like, I feel like it's not a good mix. But you 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 have a good quarterback. You have really good receivers. Um, they've been able to block pretty well up front. So I'm I'm excited for for that. I just like don't know if what we've seen is what we're gonna get. And that kind of plays into your point too. Like, what have they not shown yet? Because I don't think you can just run four verts every play against Alabama and and you'll be okay. So I'm I'm just I, I'm fascinated. I'm honestly fascinated going into this game. I think it's gonna be a good one. So yeah. And kind of a follow-up to that, I, I don't know, um, just because he hasn't really been given the opportunity to do much because they've been so vanilla. And I honestly, like 100% believe that they've saved a ton of stuff. But, you know, former quarterback John Rice Plumley is now playing receiver. They haven't done a ton with him. He's a great athlete. If you get him in space, he's dangerous. Um I mean, you haven't been able to see much on tape from him as a receiver, but do you anticipate them trying and not necessarily getting cute and doing like a double pass? I don't think Kiffin and Levy are going to do that. I think it's going to be more of trying to spread the field and attack over the middle. Um, Cause honestly, I mean, outside of Henry Toto, I, if I'm being honest, I can't name another starting linebacker for Alabama, which is, which is weird to say because normally you, you can because they're all first rounders, but do you anticipate them utilizing him in this game in any capacity? 
yeah, so I also um, can only name you one uh, Alabama linebacker, and that's Henry Tuotoa. And that was the issue, you know, last year was, you know, Dylan Moses, obviously a very hyped up player, but all the injuries really ruined his career. And they just, like I said before, they put him in the blender. And I would imagine they'll do that again this year. I think with, with uh, John Rus Pumbley, I actually would be okay with them if they ran some double passes and stuff like that. Jet motion, have them throw it down the field, like whatever. I think that's this is what you got to do against when you're an underdog. So I'm like, I would be excited for all the different stuff you can do. And again, it's like, I don't know if you can just, you certainly can't just line up and play against them. So that's probably out the book, uh, uh, out the door. Can you do all the same stuff with motion and, and, and stuff and formations and unbalanced formations like you did last year, I would say that's, that is in play. So the third thing would be, okay, well, what kind of trick plays can we have? What kind of double passes, what kind of, you know, uh, all this, the flea flickers and stuff can we do uh, more pop passes? It worked last year, worked against Louisville. Um, that's a big part of their offense. So yeah, I think I would, I, I would love it if they actually did, do that type of stuff. I think that would be probably, um, I think it would suit them really well in this game. All right, Seth, we're going to take our break here from the other sponsors that uh, make the show possible. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk more on this offense against Alabama this weekend, two 30 CBS central standard time kick for that. So hang tight and we will be right back with more, uh, with Seth from Pro Pro Football Focus. Hang tight. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials. 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, 
do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome, has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here, Podcast Rebellion, Seth Galena of Pro Football Focus. All right, so we talked a good bit in the first segment about kind of how Matt Corral and the offense is going to attack Alabama. I did want to talk to you about the run game and kind of, um, you know, honestly shed some light on, uh, you know, what I would say is possibly outside of Matt Corral, which is saying something because I think right now he's playing like the best player in college football. He's atop the Heisman odds right now with, with how well he's played through three games, but you know, this was an Ole Miss offense that led the SEC in rushing yards per game a year ago. Um, Levy and Kiffin kind of loved to run to set up the pass with the spread power run attack that's been kind of adopted from Baylor. Um, I know it's two different games. It was a couple weeks ago, so it's hard to make a direct comparison. But Florida in that game um, – Despite getting down 21 to three, they kind of stormed back. And, and I think Alabama folks were holding their breath a little bit, but a lot of it was on the shoulders of the run game. Um, Emory Jones um, was pretty lethal with, uh, with his legs in that game. Malik Davis ran for 86 yards. Um, Florida ended up with 245 yards rushing um, in that game. And a year ago, Ole Miss ran for 268 against the Tide. 
Um, outside of having a quarterback that can stretch the field vertically, I think being able to run the football against Alabama is kind of – those are kind of the 1A, the 1B if you want to pull the upset against Alabama, in my opinion. You've got to – Got to have a guy that can test you deep, and you got to be able to run the football effectively. Um, as far as this season, um, Ole Miss returned their entire backfield. Now they've got Henry Parrish um, chipping in as well, but Snoop Connor, Jerry Neely, Parrish, and Corral running the football. Um, do you kind of how how do you see them using that mantra of running to set up the pass in this game? Yeah, I think they can do it. The I will say one of the differences is that I felt like Florida was able to get back in the game by getting outside with the quarterback and running like what they call it like pause option or freeze option. Basically, it's just a speed option to the outside. Like get the quarterback out there or block it up. We'll leave the unblocked player outside and then we'll we'll attack him to the side that we're going. I don't know, like, you know, I haven't watched every single snap of the run game this year, but I don't know if that is Ole Miss's offense. Ole Miss is more of a, I guess it would be more of a zone read type of um, quarterback run stuff, you know, you know where the, the running back is kind of coming across the quarterback's face. He's reading the end. Do I give? Do I pull? Rather than do I pitch it on a speed option or something like that? So it's, it's a little different. But I do think this is how you can get them. And again, it kind of goes back into they're they're obviously super physical up front, got a really good D line. Well, how do you deal with that stuff? Is yes, you run the option like Ole Miss is going to do. It doesn't have to be a speed option like Florida did. But I think you have to get into weird formations against them and like catch them with your tempo. I'm like super into this. I think the future of football is kind of what Ole Miss does, which is like, Weird formations, weird motion, and insane tempo. And this is how you can beat an Alabama team with the run game. It's like, oh, well, all of a sudden, you know, it kind of reminds me of Ole Miss when they, in 2019, when they scored all those points against LSU, even though LSU won the game, where it's like, oh, we can get into these weird formations. All of a sudden, that defensive end is, is now – doesn't realize that he's like kind of like the last man outside and he chases crashes down on the running back. The quarterback keeps it outside and he's one-on-one at 12 yards with the safety. Um, That was a life pretty sure a specific play in that LSU game, but like, yeah, that like you got to get into the formations quickly, not get the defense to like figure out who's who, especially in the option game where how do you defeat the option? Well, everyone, who's on the quarterback, who's on the running back. If there's a pitch man, who's on the pitch man. And you can't do that if you're going with super tempo. And then all of a sudden it's an unbalanced because the tackle is on the weak is on the strong side and you just have a tight end next to the guard or something like that. So like, that is how they're going to be able to do it, even though it won't be quite the same, I think, uh, you know, in terms of like the actual plays that run that Florida did, I think they can get into that sort of stuff, still run their zone read type of stuff and, uh, and have some success. Yeah, that was – I'm glad you mentioned that because I kind of had a brain fart there and completely forgot about that whole aspect of that second half where, yeah, I mean, Florida basically found some success with it and then just ran with it, like literally they figuratively. Spam every play, man. That's what it felt yeah. like. Um, and, and I think that that's something that – I mean, people are going to try to replicate it against Bama because, look, if you can find any kind of advantage, you got you to gotta do it because – um, 
you know, even though I, I think total defense right now, they're 20th um, in the country. I don't know what the, the SP plus numbers say or what y'all's numbers say, but um, you know, not your typical top five defense that Alabama has, has had under Saban, but they're still very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you have to test them sideline to sideline and, and Ole Miss, you know, they can run inside. I mean, Jerry Neely is, is an underrated guy running between the tackles. I know that you guys had a stat that was pretty eye-popping that I think he's run the ball 31 times this year, and he's forced 11 missed tackles. Um, but he, he's pretty sneaky, effective on the inside zone plays. But Snoop Connor is the guy that's going to get the bulk of those carries, um, you know, being anywhere from 220 to 225. Um, he, he's kind of the physical thumper in the middle. But – yeah, I mean, I think that they're going to try to test Toa Toa and the rest of the guys with Parrish and Ely, you know, getting outside the tackles and trying to to go east to west, which typically doesn't work against Alabama, but Ole Miss has got some speed. Um, as far as the rest of the run game, I don't know how many design runs they're going to have for Corral because I know Kiffin said it at SEC Media Days and he said it over and over that they're trying to be pretty – I guess, particular with how they use Corral in the run game because you obviously don't want him to get hurt. Um, but he's a guy, it's kind of hard to, to pull the reins back on him because he, he plays with that edge. But do you – I don't know if you guys have charted it or anything, but do you see any way that they'll have to kind of let Corral run it more or do you see them trying to be more effective with design runs for the backs and you know kind of play action off of that like they did a year ago? Yeah, I think it, it'd be more like that. I mean, you could always – he's obviously – Corral is a, is a fine runner. Um, so you can always, if you wanted to, you know, like you said, you can talk as much as you want and try and fool Alabama with some media day talk about how you're not going to run Corral then, and then have a whole bunch of schemes um, for him. But I, I kind of see it like – I don't see it happening like that. I do see it more like it's going to be more of a zone read type of situation and then play action off of it and try and get the ball down the field rather than him being like the inside runner, right? If it's like inverted read, power read, all that stuff, QB counter. Like I don't see that happening. Um, but yeah, you could see them, you could see them come into the game saying, Hey, you know, Florida was able to get them in speed option. So we can also run speed option, which yes, it's, it's an option play, but for the most part, the quarterback tends to keep the ball on speed option, though it is getting outside. So I think if you're going to see Corral keep the ball, it'll probably be on a speed option type play to the outside. So the the, the number, um, and I think it was the preseason line, um, opened at 20, kind of caught everybody off guard that it was that big, uh, quickly moved down to, I think, anywhere from 15 and a half to 14 and a half. Um, I don't know how much you guys look at at the odds or the spread or anything like that, but did that catch you off guard at all? Um, with I know Ole Miss didn't play last week and Bama blew out Southern Miss, but it's Southern Miss. Um, you know, kind of where do you see this game score-wise ending up? Do you anticipate a high-scoring affair like a year ago? Do you think it'll probably play high 30s, low 40s? Uh, I hope – that it's a high scoring affair because I like watching those type of football games and I got no dog in this fight. Uh, I can tell you that 
Um, so if you go to pff.com, uh, you have to sign up for this stuff, but we have PFF Greenline, which is our betting dashboard and stuff like that. So, you know, we do have Alabama in terms of our numbers and you know, covering at 51.6%. So we do like Alabama uh, a little bit, but the number is, for me, the number is really big. I think the problem is like, you know, even if it's like, you know, last year was close, but it, what was the final score last year? I feel like it, it, it was, we know the game was close, but it was, they kind of scored at the end. Alabama scored at the end or something like that. And it, and it made the game. Yeah. Better. They won by 15. Was it 63, 48? Yeah. So it's like that, okay. that, that's what's, I think that is exactly what scares me where it's like, you know, Ole Miss was always kind of behind in that game, if I if I remember correctly, and they could just never catch up. And then you get a late touchdown by Alabama, and then it's like, oh, there's your spread. You know, there's your cover. Mm-hmm. But that's a lot of points, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious. I think for me, what I'm most curious about is what is Ole Miss defense this year? Because yeah. my whole take this offseason was, and we still kind of don't know, my whole take this offseason was like, it's impossible that they're this bad again this year. And if they're right. not, and it's like, you know, I'm not saying they have to be top 20 in the country, but if they're top 70 in the top 80 in the country, rather than being like, you know, 125th in whatever metric you want to use, then all of a sudden we have a different ballgame on our hands. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm like, that's why I'm like, okay, the spread is really it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, if, if, uh, 15, 15 is a lot, man. Oh, so we, sorry, it's four, we have it at 14.5 and then our, um, PFF green line gives Alabama it at 15.4. So we, we, we at PFF like it. I'm not mm-hmm. so sure about that personally. Um, because I, because I just, I really like Ole Miss offense. <laughs> That's like schematically, yeah. I just like Ole Miss <laughs> offense. So I'm gonna I'm gonna side with them, I guess. So last thing here before I let you go, and again, thank you for your time. I know you, you you're awfully busy during the season. Um, I was looking at the the offensive grades for Bryce Young and, and Matt Corral, and Matt Corral has edged him out um, by a little over a point, I think, or maybe it's a little under a point. I think he's at 89.6. Bryce Young's at 88.7. Um, Bryce Young has the extra game on him to, uh, you know, I I guess try to have a better rating, but Corral through three games is still edging him out. Um, so something that I've been kind of kicking around this week, thinking about this game and how it's going to unfold for for Ole Miss fans, I think the best case scenario and and obviously a best case scenario is, is great for anything. Um, but I feel like if, if Ole Miss really wants to compete in this football game and eventually win, I think the best case is you win the toss, you elect to receive, you score. Then you come out, a defense, like you said, that couldn't get much worse. They're top, I guess, they're top 60 right now in total defense. Um, I think if you can force a three and out or at least get a stop and then you drive down and score again, to where it's either 10 nothing, 14 nothing. Um, on the road, I think that it immediately ramps up the pressure. And maybe Bryce Young gets a little anxious and starts trying to press and to start trying to make the big play. Um, I think that that's where Ole Miss can really 
hunker down and, and kind of, you know, I guess the, the stereotypical, you know, pin your ears back and get after him as a redshirt freshman that is just now getting to where he's a starting quarterback. I think that that's where Ole Miss is going to have to try to get off to a hot start and put all the pressure on Bryce Young where, you know, in 2015, when Ole Miss, you know, went in there and beat Alabama, anytime somebody challenges a Nick Saban team in Bryant-Denny Stadium, you can kind of feel the tension and, and kind of the, the anxiety ramp up with the crowd um, because they don't, they don't get down very often. You know, they're the best program in the country. Um, Nick Saban's the best coach in the history of the game, as far as I'm concerned. Um, how do you see that, you know, if Ole Miss were to jump to a 10-0, 14-0 lead, as far as how you guys have graded Bryce Young, do you think that there's, you know, kind of that best case scenario that I'm, you know, unfolding here where he kind of presses a little bit? Do you think that that Ole Miss defense is good enough to force a turnover or to get, you know, two or three stops to, you know, give the offense a chance to potentially go up three scores or to just kind of maintain and keep the pressure on Alabama? Yeah, I mean, I think like that is best case scenarios getting up by multiple scores. So last year they only got up by seven and then Alabama comes back to score, 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 score. So it's, you know, they never got that lead. And of course it's Alabama who at the end gets the, the two score lead. So yeah, I think that would be the best case just so we can see Bryce Young in these types of situations. Obviously the second half or, you know, after the first three drives in the Florida game, they couldn't get anything going. So there's a chance that this is a team that can't deal with certain certain stuff. I just want to, I'm looking at the box score from last year's game and this is, it, I forgot how crazy this game was. I hope it's, I hope it's anything like this again this year. You have a 54 second uh, touchdown drive. You have, hold on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. You have 15 scoring drives that took four minutes or less off the clock plus another one at 437 like that's, that's oh, i want this i want this in my life again if it's not good i might have to like you know throw on the tape from last year just to uh just to like you know get my rocks off or whatever i'm that's all i want honestly again i'm a neutral i just i just want that type of game again yeah and you know i honestly think there's a chance that that we could get that type of game again because the, the Ole Miss defense has improved. And I know that a lot of these rankings are now opponent adjusted. So it's not just, well, they played Austin P and they played Tulane and they played a bad Louisville team. So that's why the numbers are so much better. I think they are much more, I think they're more experienced at linebacker with Chance Campbell from Maryland. The transfer has been really good up the middle and then defensively up front. I think that Sam Williams has been much better. And then the interior guys, you know, another year in the system have improved. And then they really like the defensive backs. That's kind of why they've been playing this three, two, six, because they have so many athletes that they want on the field that they kind of have just said, well, we're going to rush three. We might bring some blitzes here and there, but we're going to put our best guys on the field. So, um, it's a it's an intriguing matchup because there is no Devonte Smith, there is no Jalen Waddle. Um, you know they don't have the first round talent at receiver this year. So how is you know how how, how will Bill O'Brien try to you know work a, a John Mechie into the 
you know, into this, this weekend's game and, you know, how will Slade Bolden work into it? Because, you know, I know that they've been thrust into the starting roles and, you know, good players surrounded by other good players typically bodes well, but um, it's an interesting matchup with the Ole Miss defense that has been much improved after a year ago when they were like 117th. Yeah, that is honestly where it is. I do wonder if, you know, one of the issues last year, I think we talked about this a little bit, maybe not on air, but privately, but like they wanted to play a lot of cover three last year, Ole Miss, but the problem with their cover three is like, it's, a, it's like an off cover three. And those corners are deep, that safety's deep. And what Alabama is saying, like, okay, you want to do that? Well, for, well, A, first of all, they could still run the ball against, you know, loaded boxes, which obviously helps. But in the passing game, they're like, well, what we're going to do is we're just going to bypass your all your underneath defenders because we know we can protect, and we're just going to let our because you're not you're not getting physical with them at the line of scrimmage. You're not really rerouting them because you're so deep. We're just going to like bypass those underneath defenders, and then we have free reign to go in really any direction. And with those, obviously, last year one of the most talented receiving cores of all time. You can just you can do that, and I just wonder if Ole Miss will decide. And they played some press quarters this year, so I just wonder if they're going to be like, "All right, well, we can't do that again." So let's just get in their faces a little bit more. Yeah, look, sometimes you're going to get beat one on one off the line of scrimmage when you play play press, and it's not going to look good. But it didn't look good last year when you're playing off. So like maybe that's the that's one of the changeups uh, going into this this year's matchup. All right, Seth. Uh... Kept you long enough. Uh, before I let you go, uh, go ahead. I know that we've talked about Pro Football Focus, but uh, you've got a podcast as well. So let everybody know where they can find your work and where they can uh, hear you talk football. Yeah, Too High Podcast uh, with me and Deontay Lee. Uh, find it wherever you get your um, – wherever you listen to your podcast. And then if you want to read my stuff, uh, you know, PFF underscore Seth on Twitter. So there you go. All right, Seth. I appreciate the time, man. It's been fun. Uh, we'll do it again later this year, hopefully, if you've got some more free time. Um, but that's going to do it for this edition of Podcast Rebellion. Um, we'll have our Legal Gambling Council episode later this week. We'll pick week five games. And then also stay locked in at redcuprebellion.com. We'll have lots of preview stuff for the game. And uh, we'll have our post-game wrap-up Saturday evening after this one is over. So uh, for Seth over there, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening.